Yeah, but we can't have a Santa intro twice in a row. I think this podcasting was the worst and best idea ever. <laughs> Bam, I'll, I'll there's take our <laughs> intro, right? <laughs> Done. Well, All right. The Baby Floor Discussions with Ed Pinnell, John Morrison, Brian Cole, and Eric Field. All right, so I just wanted to go over what we, um, how we left last week, uh, because this is an active fire department. We are active firefighters, so when there is an emergency in the middle of uh, one of our episodes, we do have to leave. Sometimes it's going to cut us short. Last week it actually made us wrap up, which is good. But uh, do you remember where you were? You want to take off with that, or you want to start over with a whole new one? I do not remember where I was. <laughs> so Eric was saying you you were. Uh, you're talking about splitting crews. You mentioned that with your training committee, you split your your training so your younger, newer members were off doing certain topics while your other members were doing more advanced stuff. Oh, we had the, the juniors. Yeah. We had a junior training program and our regular training program. So the only thing I was going to mention to summarize that up was that in the town that I worked for, we did something similar with like uh, my guys that did just traffic control or the older members that couldn't go interior is finding their abilities and the new stuff they could do like changing bottles during my SCBA trainings and and things like that that splitting the crew is what I found worked a little bit better and it gave the people that thought they could only do one or two things more abilities to do others and really open up the door to keep the interest yeah kind of kept kind of kept some of the um, the people from feeling overwhelmed that didn't want to go above or like into like the structural area or yeah, just like weren't were comfortable to take that next more of an ass approach yeah. yeah yeah more worth like i was mentioning yeah. before more worth I, I didn't feel worth where i was and now i'm feeling better with what i'm doing now and if we can keep the members feeling worthy and and not have brian call them out on it th- that's it <laughs> <laughs> that's wow a, that's an inside joke that's amazing <laughs> I couldn't resist. It was going to come right. up eventually. Might as well um, get it right out of the way. It'll probably come up a couple more times, right. too. Um, so, I mean, we basically we hammered this thing to death, but um, the challenge is keeping your, your current members. Um, is what you can do as a department, what we've really come back to is just uh, making everybody feel worth feeling like they're, they're accomplishing something, still feeling challenged. But um, making sure they're comfortable. Uh, you guys agree with that? That's what's going to keep people around, really. Yeah. I mean, keeping members actively engaged is important. Right. Right. You don't want them to stall out and feel unimportant. Yep. So making sure that, you know, people are kind of like looking out for them. You know, make the fire department's your family, right? It's a sec- secondary family. So when you don't feel like someone's looking for you or, or interested in you even being there, you don't feel that worth, then you're going to lose people. You want to talk, um, we got some feedback online quickly. That was pretty cool. So there was a Facebook comment from firefighter Jim Beam from a local fire department. He states that he liked the podcast. We are definitely covering some very tough topics that are hard to solve. One thing to be thinking about is that there are more people working from home, including himself. There have been summer residents staying and have planned to become permanent in the area. If they are working from home, they are already tech savvy. We need to think of ways to get them to be part of the community. 
I told him that he makes some great points. Our community is changing uh, with the events of this year, especially. And I asked him if there was any ideas how to get them involved. He then stated that he thinks social media through the town is a good step to take to start showing them what we are doing. He also states that maybe throwing events uh, so people can stop by and see what's going on and see if they're interested in what we're doing to get more people involved. So first off, Jim, thanks for commenting. That's uh, That actually means a lot to us. This started off as a really small project. To, so to actually get some feedback from people, that's, that's cool. We really appreciate it. Um, second, you're right. There's a lot of people um, that are transitioning to a more a technical uh, platform in, in their lives. They're stuck home. They're stuck uh, in front of a computer. That's... Not always the greatest, especially as we've we've said before that the type of personality that this career path uh, demands doesn't necessarily drive well with sitting in front of a computer all day. But um, I think this has been a good step forward to try and get more people to understand what we're doing and what uh, some of our concerns are from departments instead of just driving by the fire department and going. Those are the guys that roll up in trucks and put out fires and pull people from cars and stuff. Um, so this has been, I mean, I'm, I'm the lower end of the totem pole, so Chief can chime in on this a little bit more, but I think this has been an, an awesome step moving forward to getting people involved and reaching out to a more technical uh, platform. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we've done a lot with social media here. Um, in the department we do we do instagram we do facebook um and and we're always posting stuff we've got a uh, team of three guys who who are running it and we get a lot of interaction a lot of response um one of the code red alerts that went out this week um it, i get a a, a summary of interactions with that and that single post was interacted with 7,400 times. That's from Casco. Right. You How know, many people are in this town? That's twice our population. Right. You know, so obviously we're have, we have a huge, uh, huge interaction, um, even outside the borders of Casco. So, um, you know, I think that social media is essential uh, for our business now. Right. Absolutely. When used properly. When used properly, unfortunately, there are some there are some uh, platforms that take on a life of their own, and and we need to jump out in front of those sometimes. But uh, those are, thankfully, those are very few and far between. So, rule number one: don't end up on the uh, on the news. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, the other thing that he had talked about was um, getting some some public relation as far as training. That's kind of the same thing as what I was just joking about with social media is it re can really be a double-edged sword. Uh, when the public sees the fire department, they're expecting a professional 100% of the time every time they see us. Right. Training, yes, even when we're training, we need to be 100% safe, but you're going to have people learning skills. There's going to be some imperfections there that we're, we're trying to address. So I think there needs to be a separation between a public demonstration and uh, public interaction with a training. Because mm. uh, I think it would be, it's, it's good for the public to see what we do and what we can do, 
but I think it would be problematic to have them involved in um, viewing a, a learning situation for some people. Well, talking about the double-edged sword, um, you, you gotta put that out in portions. You couldn't show the whole training event, but there's definitely sections of it you could edit and show the a summary of what the topic is and how it's been pushed forward. Um, so portions, of it, and, and we've time crunched with other things that we're doing. It's hard for us to have the time to do the editing stuff. Thankfully, Chief has three guys to do that with his department, but that's that's a whole nother endeavor. Um, but like I said, and, and right now we're having a hard time getting groups together because of the the issues we're dealing with. Inviting the public down to training is just not something we could do right now. No. But using social media and putting those portions out there is absolutely 100% an awesome idea. Um, the other thing that I noted with, with Jim's comment was that you know, working from home, there's a lot of people that are tied to the computer and can't necessarily leave. So even though they're working from home, it doesn't mean they have more ability. But or availability. Yeah, but yeah. but they are open to see more of our content that we're putting out. And on top of that, also, it's a higher population. So now we're we're looking at another problem. These people are working from home, so there's a lot more people at home, which makes our population more, which makes higher risk for events in our town. But we're still working on bringing our membership up and our training up. So bringing these people home is great because they're in our community, but it's also making our job more difficult. A little more difficult because we're starting to have, you know, we have more people to take care of. Right. We have more people to take care of and not necessarily more people that are, are joining with us. Exactly. Right. I think the point he was trying to make is that we got another pool of people that we can uh, draw from, oh, yeah. potentially draw from in order to help supplement our numbers, especially on the volunteer side. Like he said, he does it himself. He works from home, and I know he's been uh, a valuable asset to the department that he's worked for. He's able to break away and respond to calls, especially during the day when we have our lowest turnout for numbers. Yeah. Oh, and I, I totally agree with your comment and where he's coming from, and what I'm saying is that these people that are home in front of the computer all the time, they're gonna take a break and switch to these other social medias that we can project to and have that that connection that was a little farther to reach before and i think he's right it's going to be all about exposure too because the amount of people that i've talked to that have said you know i would join the fire department but i don't want to run into burning buildings you you need to be able to expose to them that there's there's multiple levels you know we need people to drive trucks we need people to control traffic we need people just just more hands so Part of this podcast, part of some of the things we talk about with uh, getting out there with social media uh, is really going to help us with that to show that these people that are at home and may potentially not have the time to dedicate to being a structural firefighter could still support their fire department, their local fire department. Well, last weekend, I mean, we, were, we ran some calls last weekend, and uh, one of them, the, the homeowner came up to me and he says... Um, I, I couldn't believe how fast you guys got here. This is awesome. And uh, they had, he's relocated from Massachusetts up here temporarily, but he's looking to be full-time resident. So he's like, he, he asked me, he goes, do you have an age requirement? Because I think I owe you guys. And I mean, just that, that short interaction, the quick response and, and how he mitigated his problem. And instantly he said, geez, I, I want to give back. I want to help. That's so, awesome. I mean, that's, 
every now and again you get those right but it's not it's not as often as you like right so they're always everyone is always watching so right. which is good and bad yes yep it's easy to uh to misinterpret things if you're not looking at it from the viewpoint that we are that can uh get misconstrued sometimes yep all right our next quote uh our next question well more of a statement is I wanted to dive into something a little different than training, but there is a quote that I used to hear in public safety quite often, but I rarely hear it nowadays. The quote is, many are called, but few are chosen. While researching this quote to figure out where it came from, it is actually a quote from the Bible, Matthew 22:14, but was used for public safety often back in the day. I believe its intentions were to show that this occupation or career field is not meant for everyone. It is an inherently a difficult job and not everyone can do it. I know we can all agree on this and have seen this firsthand. However, with the current shortage of qualified personnel, I believe this is often overlooked until it's too late. The point I'm trying to get at is at what point do we as educators and leaders make that determination? determination? Is it a black and white answer? Is there a way we can determine this early on and avoid difficult situations in the future? So, I mean, you guys are going to have better input than me being officers for a much longer time. Uh, you, you notice these people, you recognize these people. All of us have like three to five people that just jumped into our heads. But uh, Well, that's the thing. Well, that's the scary thing is that we all know who these people are right whether it's officers or rank and file and that's important to bring up too is that they can be officers just just because somebody's up the rank and has been around for a long time does not mean that they've performed as well as they should at least i think so no that's quite accurate so i think looking at it as uh educators and leaders uh, we we need to give everyone a chance and I think uh, the biggest thing, much like everything else we talk about, is is the communication. Uh, talk to this person. Let them know that you recognize that they're performing at an unsatisfactory level. And see if that's something you can address. If it's something that they feel is not an issue and they're not going to address it, that's when it becomes something that, that you need to change as opposed to something that they may not know that they're doing. But an officer level, a good officer will learn his people and figure out where they will work the best for the group and help direct and drive them Absolutely, yeah. to that particular point. And, you know, some of my concerns looking across the departments I've worked with is what reasons are the people there in the first place? You have some people that come in and all they're looking for is a paycheck. You have or some people that are cut or a t-shirt. That was my next one. Or you have somebody that comes in and actually just wants to help the public and doesn't care about any stars or bells or any special awards or anything afterwards. It's it's the first thing you gotta identify is why the person came there in the first place. What are they looking to get out of being a part of our group? And then direct them to where they want to go, help them meet their goal and get to their goal to be another cog in the wheel of the machine that uh, we use the daily. So I think when when you draw that line, uh, there either needs to be a clear uh, 
sign that they're not interested, like if they're not willing to to learn or to uh, progress, that's that's when I would draw the line. Or if they're just just blatantly not interested in in feedback. So how do we deal with this situation with a member that has been on a department for a while and is still not performing at an acceptable level? You, Ed, you just mentioned drawing lines in the sand, but we know that can be hard to do, especially if it's uh, progressed over a long period of time. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I've, I've never been in a position where I'm the person that makes that call, but I think a lot of times people can get caught up on the amount of time that somebody's spent at a, any individual department or even uh, time they've spent in the fire service, fire industry. Uh, and I really don't think that you can take that into consideration. I think that's something that um, when you've reached that point where someone is degraded to the point that it needs to be addressed, then that becomes the issue. You need to address the issue at hand regardless of the person. You've got, you've got to take the personality out of it. You've got to take the, the personal... Uh, yeah, it's personal, not professional. Uh, professional, not personal, right? Right. If you set boundaries and expectations from the start or have those expectations and have benchmarks that need to be set, you know, it's standard across the board. It's not like you're singling anybody out separately. They know what their expectations are. They know what they're supposed to do. They know what they're, you know, what you need. And right. If standards were set at the beginning, I mean, we wouldn't run into these situations, correct? Exactly. However, we still do. And we all know that setting new standards is not an easy thing to do. Um, we've all seen it when new policy or standards are set, especially later on in the progress, we've always get pushback from current members. And with low staffing levels and availability of qualified members, we are, what I've noticed is people are often reluctant to properly enforce these newer standards. So you run into that with um, that people that want to push a gray area in, in a standard or an SOG, or um, they want to try to um, basically just just try and push it. They they don't want to follow something new. They want to done what they or do what they've always done, and that when something new is introduced, they want to sit there and poke holes in it. So it. it it's kind of a vicious circle that we come out with a policy, somebody wants to challenge it, we have to make it stronger, and then the stronger you make it, the more they want to challenge it, and it just keeps going back and forth like that. So I, I, I agree, there, you need to set clear standards and expectations, but you also need to recognize that those standards and expectations are there to have us do jobs safely and efficiently. Uh, I, I think it's, it's difficult to go um, in volunteer or call company environment, you're always looking to pull people in um, to be part of the organization because we never have enough staffing. Doesn't matter what aspect you're looking at, we just don't. So you need to, you wanna pull people in, you need to increase your numbers and in a small town environment, it's, we need to be able to separate between buddy and boss. And that's, 
that is difficult to do in an environment like this. Especially these small departments, it's extremely difficult to yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows everybody. Right. Yeah, I've been here for 30 years, so to progress to this point is is amazing, um, but it's also extremely difficult. Um, but I think the problem we run into a lot with the small departments on this topic is that if you have someone that's a problem, it can kind of poison the well. It can fester, yeah. 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 So, I mean, I know we, we have to hang on to as many people as we can, but we need to hang on to people that are um, are adding and not taking away, basically. No, we, I think we said it earlier, quality versus quantity, right? right. And, you know, that's, that's what we're going for. Yeah, I'd rather have five guys that are pulling the standard, doing their job, doing what they're supposed to do, than have 20 people that are just kind of hanging out. Right. Yep. And as Ed said earlier, I mean, these people join for a reason. They're here for a reason. And maybe they're just going through a rough spot. I mean, we all have our ups and downs. I think pulling them aside and maybe talking to them, trying to figure out what their issue is and maybe reminding them of why they joined might help also. Um, do, you do you think, like we discussed, involving these members in the planning and decision process will help with compliance of these new standards? I mean, if they have a say in the process and... Well, I do, uh, because you want people to buy into to the processes and the policies and procedures. But there's also a time where you you have to take that stand and say, this is how the policy needs to read. This is how we're going to perform. Um, sometimes it's not a democratic uh, process. It's, right. You know, sometimes it just, just like the fire scene. I mean, sometimes what I think might be the right tactic uh, from my vantage point is absolutely not the right tactic or what I'm saying is is misinterpreted um, that can be that can lead to an issue on the fire ground but sometimes you have to do what you're told the other problem is when you get somebody involved and they think they're part of a or they are part of a planning process as soon as you don't do something that they suggest they it's feel, personal you, right they feel yeah. more yeah, more personally attacked than if they just had no say in it at all, right. and then they got a policy and had to adhere to it. Well, there's also that fine line of too many hands in the soup pot, yep. and once you get too many people involved in that decision making, then a decision's never made. Right, correct. A committee for a committee doesn't help anything. Exactly. Right, right. what's the saying? Um, a camel is a horse designed by a committee. Right. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> it's, it's something I sure I butchered it, but it's something along those lines. <laughs> so sorry how for how today's going. Uh, it's been pretty broken up. We've had a lot of calls. It's the first major storm of the year. Um, so it's been a little broken. Uh, we've had to leave and come back a handful of times. Uh, moving forward, this podcast is going to evolve a little bit. We started off with uh, training and moving forward what we're going to try and do is just get as much feedback from the public and from the community as possible and we'll work with that we'll uh, take suggestions and uh, take your comments and concerns and we'll we'll talk about it we'll discuss it and uh, see what information we can get out of it yes so please leave your questions if you have any on 
Facebook or the other social media platforms that we post this on. Also, we're looking to get guests on in the future to talk about fire-related stuff and training and whatever. Um, I know that we possibly will have firefighter EMT Dan Hillier on in the future to talk about regionalization and regionalization of training. That's all we have for this week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>